You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. On this week's show, we've got Liam from Bleecker Burger. Hi, Liam. Are you all right? Yes, very well. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, really good, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, no problem. I'm, I'm an avid listener. Great. Gl- glad to have you on. And we're we're avid. The only one. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's our best listener. Uh, and we're, we're both avid absorbers of your Instagram feed and loving every burger that you ever post on there. <laughs> Well, I had mixed opinions on your podcast because I we had an event in Sweden last week and I listened to the Komodo Joe episode. Yeah. So I literally came off the flight and messaged my wife saying, I need to buy £2,000 ceramic barbecue. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you weren't the only one. We had a hell of a lot of messages after that episode going, I wanted a Komodo Joe before, but now I'm absolutely desperate for one. Well, it completely it completely changed my opinion on them. From the last I heard, they were just, oh, then the guys sort of doing the big green egg, but then listening to them talk about, about it and then reading up on everything they've done, they seem to have made a big step ahead. So, Yeah, yeah. definitely. But we're, we're trying to move house soon, so a half ton barbecue that we may need to move. <laughs> so I'm just going to pause, pause that for a time being. Yeah, just just order it in, get it ready for be delivered at the new new house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Right. So, do you want to just start off by telling us um, a little bit about Bleecker Burger and how it began? Yeah. So, Bleecker was founded um, in 2012. A lady called Zan Kaufman, who was a corporate lawyer in New York. Um, I think it's a random story. She just says it's one of these things that happens in New York, but. She was a corporate lawyer for years, then helped out a friend in a restaurant called Sightsefs on like a weekend, mm. did one more week of corporate law and then quit and then <laughs> went full time working at Zeitzefs and then not like, became the manager um, in 2010 and then moved over to London in 2012, bought a 
van, converted into a food truck, and then started roaming the streets of London serving these amazing burgers. Awesome. I so love yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you say, it's just a, back so then, random. <laughs> yeah, and back then, 2012, I mean, the food scene was harder. Well, it still is now, but starting off back then, even harder than now. I mean, we, they didn't quite have the, the sort of channels of, uh, I mean things like curb and stuff pushing street food and, and street food wasn't as massive back then so so yeah it's done really well think, well when bleaker joined um curb i think it was like really early on but the there was bleaker there was pizza pilgrims there was bow like and then bleaker started working with street feast as well where there was smokestack um so i think yeah, some, yeah. Of these, some of these people that sort of hit this wave of street food of like maintained like a few of them have been like absolute gems and still in the best of the, their field so I yeah think, yeah um, it's like all those old school names are all like like the sort of i don't know like the up-and-coming big players of like sort of food in in, in london which is wicked yeah it was amazing. like i you go to those those places now and maybe there is another bleaker or a smokestack or a, i know bredos as well and and bow like yeah. these places are now like i'm not going to say household names but there's like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten locations around London that these people have now. It's like amazing yeah. how it happened in just these like really tough weekend and night markets where Londoners had to either make it or or break it for these people and it, it worked yeah. for the it worked for the best and the worst probably just left it all. Yeah. I know I love actually yeah Curb does loads of cool stuff and like they're doing like their I know, like, sort of training sort of things or, like, seminars sort of things. And uh, I was reading the other day, it was someone basically saying that, like, when they started, like, how hard it was. And, like, he'd he'd cycle uh, – it was, like, 17 oh. miles. He'd cycle dragging his, like, whole kit behind him. And, like, I've done pop-ups, and I know the sort of kit, like, how <laughs> savage that is. And he was, like, that's when yes. I discovered love wasn't flat and had to cycle home. <laughs> it was, like oh. – I was, like, so true. I'm, like, it's literally mental. But – yeah, no, I just love I love all stuff like that, and and it's great to see like sort of grassroots sort of uh, street food vendors like you guys and the rest of the people that you've named really making it and 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 doing so well, and and it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's got. Like, I think Zan actually, so before Bleaker started, she went to the Curb um, workshop, and then it wasn't like six months ago she was back at the Curb workshop, like being one of the people that have made it so to speak so yeah awesome. it's, a, it's a great it's cool a great circle. community and like the, the way the traders interact like you have to everyone has to look out for each other and i said it, it's it's very hot I, I joined after it after the street food um part of the business but it's very hard work yeah there's like lots of it breaks a lot of people like that is, i think zan says quite openly like she wouldn't be able to do it again it's something and i think dave mentioned it um from smokestack as well like those festivals yeah. and things it takes so much time and energy. <laughs> he's, he's so glad he didn't like doesn't yeah. do it. He doesn't even <laughs> yeah. know how he managed to do it. No, like it's like there's so many things that you get that are easier when you're inside or in your own space. Like you don't have to worry about yeah bringing bringing a power cable and the weather and that's it what it's almost up? like. Do you know, like when you don't want to like when you're in a position. I'm in I'm like I'm not in this predicament because I can't afford afford first class fights. But this is like the sort of predicament where I'm like. If I was to be offered an upgrade, I don't know if I'd even take it because once you've flown first class, do you even ever want to fly again? Economy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. This is like it's like, do you even want to go there? Because 
you know you can never go back but like when you're when you're traveling economy or when you're working the food trucks or doing pop-ups and stuff that that is the norm to you and you go in there every day and it, it, i know it's hard work and it's a slug but that that becomes a norm and it's when you when you see how yeah. things can be so much better <laughs> there's a there was a, a boxer that made a lot so you know boxers have to run at like 5 a.m in the morning i can't remember who yeah. said the line but it was like it's a lot harder to get up for those runs when you're wearing silk pajamas you fight your way there you get up at five and then when you start making some money you get your silk pajamas on the alarm goes off yeah maybe maybe yeah. next time but yeah like, hats off to anyone that does street food still because i think it's sort of it has quietened down a little bit in terms of the big names like when it when it started like meat liquor for example when they started roaming the streets and and then us and all the others that i've mentioned but the buzz around that doesn't seem to be there anymore. And maybe that's just because I'm out of it a little bit. But those few years from like 2012 to 2015 as a as an eater was just like phenomenal in London. That was a proper boom, yeah. Yeah. And now Bleaker has some silk pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got some heating. Yeah. <laughs> So if, uh, we, we mentioned Curb a few times there, but for anyone that doesn't know what Curb is, can you give us a little brief about what that is? So I think so for for Londoners in particular, we have our lunchtime markets, which Curb look after, and then we have our nighttime markets, which street feeds look after. So Curb are really good at going in the hotspots of London. For example, the Gherkin, they would be there um, and they would bring in four or five street food trucks or stalls. They're bringing them there from like Thursday, 12 o'clock till two o'clock. So it's completely changed. Collectives like uh, sort of, and they're almost handpicked, aren't they? Sort of handpicked uh, gatherings of, of the sort of awesome yeah. street food, bringing it into one place, making it easy for us not to roam the streets for hours, but being able to just walk out the office and have yes, amazing had, street food. And Curve have had a hell of a lot of challenges with, like the local businesses that go in there. So at the Gherkin, for example, I remember a time where it was Bleaker, next to Bleaker, it was the Ribman. I think then it was like Bow, then it was Bredos, then it was Pizza Pilgrims, and then no one's going to Pratt over the road to, yeah. to get there. Imagine having that choice <laughs> outside work. I'm just like... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and this is how I got into Bleaker, by like finding them... At, at, it was actually at Curve at the Gherkin that I had my first one, and I was working in Moorgate, which is about a 10-, 15-minute walk. But I made yeah. the walk back and then had my burger and was like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, they completely changed the food landscape for me in particular. So those lunches weren't yeah. there. It was just, I don't even know. But, yeah, it was Pret or Tesco's. But the amount of, like, uh, like red paper that Curb have to go through because like, everything has to be – all the landlords are concerned about the oil and the rubbish and the yeah. queues and – I'm sure these big companies are probably complaining on a daily basis that they're taking their trade and can probably find a list of a lot of reasons why they should be moved in, moved away. But thankfully, I said the good ones have stayed through and Curbs, Curb and, and Street Feast, their commitment to fighting these old men who sit in their offices <laughs> like eating their prawn cocktail sandwiches. Like, <laughs> like they do it on it. Like like street Feast their licensing things that they have to go through like all the time in places like Hackney and um, Lewisham. Like, they're completely changing areas, but they're fighting through red tape all the time. I said, I can't swear, so no. they're just fighting yeah. through. <laughs> <laughs> that whole concept, though, I just, I just absolutely love it. I remember the first Street Feast uh, 
I went to, and it was uh, is it Dinorama, and uh, and literally just or that was I spoke about it on the on the uh, smokestack one, and it was just yeah. it was just epic, just. The bars upstairs, like the beer, the uh, all the food is available. We all walked in, literally. Just, I mean, it's it's sort of like, I mean, before I ever came across these sort of places in London, you had like hawker markets in like Southeast Asia that I, when I travelled and stuff, and it's sort of like that where, but then also with a bit more variety. Because normally, like the hawker markets in like say Singapore or, or here in KL or something everyone's sort of selling the same sort of things yeah. with a few maybe, maybe regional differentiations or a couple of things are different. But like you're talking like completely different things from all over the world under one roof and it's sort of like, I just love it. I just absolutely love the oh, concept. It's and it's amazing. And before Dinorama, there was um, Dalston Yard and this was literally yeah. a car park. That was, so that's where Smokestack really... Like that was where their HQ was. But so you yeah. walked in, there was smokestack, like 10 yards further down, you had Brados that were there always. And then in the far corner, there was us. And then you had Yum Bun the other side. And then like there was, then you could get your jerk chicken one side. Like there was every single cuisine. I know. And that's just, like, that's especially just when, awesome. <laughs> especially when, especially when people are becoming fussier eaters now with their vegetarianism and vegans and you you name it. You can go to these places with your friends, and someone will find something there for them, which is just like great. Exactly. It takes that, and you have to. And split everyone's the bills. there with all their different things, and you're like, oh, you grab a bit of this, or you try a bit of that. Someone's like, oh, you have to try this. You try, and you're like, oh my god, and then you just go and buy some more, and it's just like it's it's literally just brilliant. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and I I think so. There was there was burgers there, there was barbecue, there was like Asian food, there was tacos, there was. Like, donuts and i'm fairly well traveled and the best food i had there is as good as any of the food that i had anywhere yeah, else I, I went to california recently and was on a major taco hunt as well and said brodo's tacos at their best is still the best taco i've ever had like smokestacks pastrami at the moment is on a different level but like his brisket when it's at his best is as good as any brisket i've had and yeah it's on and on like we were so lucky and it's yeah. So London food, there there is not a there is not a more competitive market in the world. I mean, potentially you're talking New York, London, probably the two most probably competitive markets in the world for for food industry, and you've got to be putting out epic stuff to survive. And it's just the way it yeah. is. It's really pushed the street food scene, and it's like. And also, I mean, like, obviously, people being enthusiastic and, and all the rest of it is, is a major driver. But just just the sheer, uh, just how the competition and just you just have to be on your best. And people are just, yeah. it just pushes everyone. And the, the, it is amazing. You go from place to place, not even street food, but in London now or for ages. But I'm just saying you go from place to place, restaurant to restaurant even, and there's such incredible food. And it's just a, an awesome time to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think our, our best is as good as anyone's best. I think we have some work to do on the average, our average in comparison to other people's averages, other all that New York's and LA's. But our best, I am confident, is as good as anyone's best. Yeah, definitely awesome. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just uh, just on your website, just staring at a picture of a burger, just like, yeah, the best. Well, yeah, we've not best, even talked the about the best burgers. is here. The best is here. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at it. It's here. This is it. <laughs> It, like I think your your kind of Instagram feed of the burgers, like I think your feed kind of is that kind of exact definition of that 
the hashtag food porn photos, isn't it? Because like, these are what I'm looking yeah, at now. I think this it is, is, yeah. This is the ultimate. <laughs> also, burgers are hard to capture, like a good photo of a burger, I think. I yeah, it's so not that. Crap photos of burgers. It's not easy. And you guys and seem to have... And Well, we have nothing that's that photogenic either. Our, like, our double cheeseburger is just bread, meat, cheese, bread, meat, cheese. Like, yeah, it looks beautiful. Meat, cheese, bread, like, there's, things, <laughs> there's no colours in there, like, I'm, we're not a man versus food burger that like if we did a quadruple patty i know it would get more likes but we're trying to stay like, our slogan's commitment to the burger and i don't think you can get a great burger that has four patties or avocado or a fried egg and yes the yolk porn hashtag would be great like popping the <laughs> egg, in, egg in a burger but i said for zan and myself like that's not what we're about we get the best meat and then if you're adding much more to it then you're making something that isn't to us what a burger is yeah and i think that that's probably like where things sort of went and it was like uh you had like the, the gourmet burger that sort of made this like sort of big change in like burger landscapes i would say and people were making these i don't know just huge patties like you're talking like eight twelve ounce or whatever like 10 12 ounce patties and yeah, like rubbish. huge burgers and this and that and changing all the breads up and trying all these cheeses and trying all these toppings and like you'd and that that was like the burger landscape sort of changed that way and i sort of feel that things are coming a bit more like full circle around uh and it's it's great to see because in my opinion and I, I have to say i i even went i think it's like you just follow food trends and i think at home i ended up doing all these things and i still think they have their place but they're sort of like not yeah, of the course. burger that you love like it's, it's all different things again. I go on about this all the time and I'm not going to go on about it now, but they, they're almost morphed into like their own category of something else other than a burger. But, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think uh, we're comparing like cities before. It's a, we don't have any like institutions like New York does, for example, we don't have a cats. We don't have a Peter Luger steakhouse. Like it's, and I think part of that is because it's so easy to get sucked on, sucked along with a trend here that, doesn't seem to happen as much in those places. Yeah. So like the Peter, Peter Luger, they're just known for a porterhouse and they have an amazing cheeseburger, which is just bread, meat, cheese. And cats cats have quite a big menu, but that's not what they're known for, right? They're just known for a pastrami sandwich and that's what they do. And that's where yeah. we, I'm all about, we're all about legacy here. We just want to get the best ingredients, cook it well, and that, that'll be it. I mean, I've... I've we had Nick Solaris on the show and, and like, that's one of the questions we asked him is, is what, what is the perfect burger to you? Someone who's traveled the world eating uh, a professional carnival, eating food from all over the world. And that's what he says. When it comes to burgers, it, it is just the simplicity of literally a, I mean, what do you say? Chuck, chuck steak patty, uh, American cheese, maybe a couple of pickles and the bun. And that's it. And like, and I think that is is really similar to to me at the moment. I mean, I am I completely love your sort of style of of how you're putting burgers together, and it really sits well with me and and my likings anyway. Yeah, and I Nick's I've met Nick a couple of times like at Bleaker, and I've had his favorite burger in New York, and it, it, I think he, it's that Joe Junior's, and he says it's his favorite because it's on his corner of his street, and I went there, and it was just a great classic burger, like. It, yeah. it's, it's there's nothing it's, it's in, well, there's nothing like exceptional about it it's just like a 
a nine out of ten burger that is on his corner that he loved and like it is a great burger and joe jr's like, yeah. i'd highly recommend it but um so we just don't really have those in england yet well, hopefully no. it'll be you <laughs> hopefully yeah <laughs> so right so we talked about it and i guess from the like patty side of things so what for you guys what what's in your patty like obviously don't give us the the secret recipe if there is one but like what what's the kind no, of so what that, makes that's, a perfect that's patty? The thing with us so we're like really uh, we put our butcher to the front of all our like marketing materials now and everything so we use a butcher called um it's, it's called the butchery and mm-hmm. it's nathan who we use in bermondsey oh cool and he's cool he's and he's um he's like a he's the only butcher that's just been so they've they've changed like the laws on what butchery can do and he's the only one that can hang whole carcasses dry aged in england or there might have been another one since but he only got it like a month ago mm-hmm. so he he hangs whole carcasses for like 50 day age then he cuts off the ribeyes he cuts off the fillets he gets them sold to the the restaurants and then the chuck the rib cap top rump like the silver side the top side all the stuff that no one really wants they're 50 day age for us and then he minces them they come into us we hand form the patty and cook them to order so just salt and pepper on the patty and yeah so much of it's down to what he does the farms he selects Mm -hmm. and then it's on us like there's the cows have like a three-year life at the farms he has them for like nearly three months dry aging them and then we have it for like three minutes potentially where we can ruin everything or make it excellent as hopefully we do (laughs) more often than not that's interesting because there's another thing nick said is is that that window, uh, would you say like 75 to like 120 days, that window is, is like the window. And he actually said like 90 days, probably perfect with mm. beef before you, you, you get the maximum beefy flavor without going too far with it and losing the beefy quality. So, so yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned like the three month sort of time period of, of aging stuff, which is, well, just... we, um, at Metopia last year, we did a hundred day, a hundred day aged patty. Um, the difference yeah. actually wasn't, as big as I thought it would be. So okay. The difference between so we do quite a lot of testing with Nathan and t- tasting, but the the difference between thirty and forty is like dramatic from the, all the tastings we've ever done. Like, well, especially like thirty to fifty, that difference there is huge in terms cool. of the flavor profile. And then said so from fifty on, well, that we went from fifty to that hundred day age, and the difference wasn't actually that big, but that difference between thirty and fifty is it's phenomenal. Can, Something yeah, you've got like, a really hard job, actually. I, if you need anyone to test yeah. uh, any burger, <laughs> I'm more than happy. I mean, just well, throw me a throw me a burger. <laughs> we had um, so we had our first ever event abroad last was it last yeah last week in Stockholm. And we arrived on Thursday. Our hosts took us to their restaurant, so I had their burger, and then we had the two day event. And all I did was just taste test our burgers like the whole day, which sounds Ouch. like <laughs> sounds great, right? But then, but it's my friend um, went to Stockholm this weekend and was. Dude, every burger you shit. sold, you took a bite out of it. Pretty much. But that's why that's, that's why we're, I think we're the best because we're constantly tasting our burger and constantly checking it's the best against the other, some of our other competitors. We're always, te- we're always, I, well, I am always eating the burgers to, <laughs> oh, to see. Yeah, you're only as good as your job. last burger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you want to check out the butcher, uh, so at Nath the Butcher, uh, you're probably seeing uh, DJ Barbecue uh, post some stuff all the time, some awesome meat. 
get on there and check him out. I mean, you'll see the sort of meat that uh, that we're talking about here, and, and yeah, just just get on and, and have a look. And you guys have yeah, done DJ some stuff with DJ Barbecue as well, Yes, yeah, so we had an event with him recently. So we're trying to do, again, focusing on just our burger. We're, we don't do specials. We don't do anything like that. But we just do these like one nights now with guest chefs. Um, yeah, and DJ yeah. Barbecue was the last last one. Um, yeah, so I think so us not doing specials just makes us 100% focused on our, limit, our small limited menu so we can execute time and time again. If we do specials, I think it would take some focus off. Or maybe other people are just better at doing it than us, but... Um, yeah, the DJ so on those nights, what happens then? Do you, do you do you like give them like okay, here's here's a section of the kitchen. This is what we do. You level it up to to whatever you want to level it up, and when the orders come in, they level it up. Is that is that sort of the it, the process there? So we've <laughs> we've done we've done maybe six or seven of these, and nearly every everyone's been different. So DJ Barbecue, he went to the butchery and changed our patty. We okay. Did one with, we did one with did Neil Rankin. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Did he mess it up? <laughs> no, it's amazing. He, no, don't he lie. Come on. That's not what you said before. That's not what he said off air. It's not true. It's not true. He did a double smoked garlic mayo that was phenomenal. Oh. Um, but yes, yeah, so we did an event with um, Neil Rankin, who I'm assuming you guys know. Yeah. Um, cool. So And he put goat in the patty with Nathan. Wicked. Um, and, and then we did one with Smokestack where it was our burger and his pastrami on top. Again, phenomenal. Awesome. Um, but yeah, every single every single one's been been different. So I love They've that. Been, it's such a cool great. concept and, and a great way of doing things. And like you said, I mean, concentrating on your product is, is the key the key item that this it's your bread and butter almost and then and then let other people come in and, and do some do some cool things. That's it's a really cool way to do things. I really like it. Yeah, it puts the responsibility on them as well. So we can, if people come, they don't like it. We can just go, ah, sorry, it's not us. It's this. Yeah. <laughs> don't go to Tampa. That crap burger was from Neil. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> we did, again, it's going to make me sound like poor old me, but we did 15 burgers with um, Dave from Smokestack to make sure we had the right one for the night. Like it was relentless. Like up right at the day up to the event, we were there tweaking the menu it was I said it sounds sounds great like, oh god i ate so much for strong <laughs> oh, oh no 15 burgers <laughs> I know, for, me, for me but my my I, I have no blood anymore it's just ketchup like yeah. flowing around my body so uh, i need to get my life insurance sorted pretty quickly it sounds all, great but... days pastrami was off that was the only reason why they had to eat 50 <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said offline anyway yeah. <laughs> lies all lies. <laughs> so, so okay. you guys are now. You're at the point now where you've got three or well, you've got four places open at the moment. Yeah. So we went from truck to a kiosk in 2015. So that was our first little space inside Spitfields Market, and then we opened Victoria in January 2017, which was our first place inside. So it was quite a step up to in control of the lighting the temperature the the, the rubbish like, um <laughs> and then we opened in the city in october last year in the new bloomberg building which is in between bank and cannon street station yeah cool and yes yeah, so, and now we have our summer pop-up which has been around since 2015 uh, right on the south right on the south bank 
in between the London Eye and the Southbank Centre, underneath the Hungerford Bridge, which is where Pitcu started many years ago. It used to be called the Pitcu Bridge, but I think it's the Bleaker Bridge now. So it's like our fourth year. But yeah, the, oh. the Southbank site, right on the Thames, on a sunny day, I don't think there's anywhere in the world to have a better burger. And this is that site's been what's been able to make us stay independent. So all the money's just gone straight into building those sites. So like we had a really good summer. We opened Victoria. We had a really good summer. We opened Bloomberg. Hopefully we have another really good summer and we'll open the next place. But it's all dependent in Kuala on Lumpur. Our- in Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. not, in Plymouth. Sure about- <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Malaysia I had the um what was the burger in Kuala Lumpur I had recently last year. I can't remember, it had a black bun. It was actually quite good. But yeah, no, I don't know if we'll go as far as Kuala Lumpur yet, but we'll we'll grow as much as we can independently and with Nathan the butcher. I said everything comes down to our meat and if he can't grow, we can't grow. And he has these small farms that he's obsessed with and he knows the farmers' names and he then knows the cows' names. So everything comes down to like the traceability of that and how good the product is. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's good good to hear you into that as well because that's I think becoming more and more important to like every food vendor every chef we speak to is all about traceability so to jump back to the we talked about the blend we talked about sorry i just jumped in there we talked about the blend but what about like the other things that make up the burger so for me like the bun is is like i would say is is an equal partner to the perfect burger yeah and and what what do you guys do bun wise so we have, uh, that's the only thing that we don't tell people. We have a secret baker that, um, it was actually a Malaysian bakery. So Zan was walking around Shepherd's Bush in like 2012 and found this like Malaysian sweet cake, spoke to the mm-hmm. baker was like, and over the, over the course of a few months, they perfected this burger bun, um, which is, it's light, it's robust. You don't notice it because to us, if you're talking about a bun after you've had a burger, something's gone wrong, right? Like, yeah and that's why it's so important though is that you get all these like pretzel buns and and then again like they have their place and like i'm not i'm not slagging them off because it can be great but but yeah like you said i mean it's almost like the vessel for the burger but you don't want it to be the protein yeah yeah Yeah, that's it you don't want to talk about it after the i said a bun i had there's um there's a burger place called emily and actually it's a pizza place that does an amazing burger they have a pretzel bun but it's phenomenal, like it works. But yeah, yeah, for us, it's you just just get the meat in. But it's cool. it's so good. It like as is, if you had it on its own, you'd think it's quite sweet. Mm-hmm. But in our burger, you said you it's so light, um, you just don't really notice it, which is perfect for us. Cool. And and how do you cook your patties then? Uh, um, so <laughs> ideally, we'd cook them, we'd cook them. Ideally, we'd be cooking them medium rare. Um, and at the moment, every single council in London has put a block on that. So we're cooking well done, which is is not what we want to do. It's what we have to do. Um, but we, And we've been like that for around about a year. There was a small period where our shop in Victoria was fine. But our signature burger, which, which is called the Bleaker Black, has actually been off the menu until we can cook how we want to, like a nice medium rare burger. Because we're spending all this money on meat, and obviously every degree over medium rare, you're losing a bit of juice. But like we've we've changed the way we it's this, we use a four ounce patty. We've changed the we've kept the weight the same, but we've changed the size of the patty to try and 
get it on and off the grill as quick as possible, like cook to the 70 okay. degrees, wherever it is that it needs to be, but doesn't lose all its juices like it probably should. And it's interesting. I find it really interesting they've gone this way. I really thought they would have been moving the other way. And I, and I, I could understand this law have been implemented maybe like 10 years ago. But I think with like the knowledge and the standard of and the quality of food and the quality of produce, the way things are going, I'm really surprised that that's the way that the London councils have chosen to go. Yeah, it's so they I think it was around March last year, like late March, they said from April, you can only cook less than well done if you buy from an approved butcher. And they had three butchers approved out of the whole of England, which is, is a shocking. But what isn't shocking is the people that had been, the burger places that were buying from these suppliers were the big ones. So the Byron's. The one's getting a backhander, yeah. I think. There. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that, but. Someone's pockets have been lined. The podcast is shut down next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll get this episode out quick. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all, so So we had to start from scratch and go through this process. I so said we could have moved supplier, but we, to our core, we believe we have the best tasting beef you can buy. And so we stuck with Nathan for the last year and he's got his accreditation now. And now it's on us to prove to the councils that we can cook to the safe standards that it is but yeah it's shocking to think that like they've go so hard on meat given that there's so much other stuff that you can like i think i'm not a scientist or something, i've heard the, the risk of lettuce is like 10 times higher than beef <laughs> in terms of like e coli or what, what, all yeah. those things so i'm not a scientist so i'm not going to go down that road but what yeah the about that, though, is that even if these three butchers supply you with decent meat or clean meat whatever you want to say is Surely what you then do with the meat is then what could then potentially pose risk as well. So, I mean, like, yes, yeah, so they've, they've added in that double individual place. Like, you should be able to become certified or something. Like, uh, uh, like if you want to serve your burgers medium, medium rare, then like, surely there should be some sort of function for you to become a, a certified medium rare vendor or whatever it may be. Like, I'm not coming up with the name here, I'm sure we could streamline that, but. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, my... I there is. I so said there's a lot of work going on. I uh, said so Zan, the founder, like she's working on like a daily basis to prove, like through testing, that the level we cook to is safe enough for customers to eat. But but we have to then. I so said we're just an independent place. Right, there's other places that they're, and, and we hand form our patties as well to make the burgers taste better. So we could cut corners now and get medium rare back, but that's not what we do. We're trying to have this artisan so to speak burger made and prove that we can do it time and time again because every burger is a little bit different like we get them we just get mints in from nathan on like nearly a daily basis we take out little balls we weigh it and then we like press it down and then cook it so we just have to so we could have cut corners and we haven't so it's been long enough yeah. now that we're just going to keep fighting through it keep doing what you're doing keep putting out the good burgers and the rest will come well, yeah, so I said I get asked on like a daily basis when the Bleaker Black is coming back because I said I, I I was an accountant previously and then like burger sort of changed everything. But the Bleaker Black is undeniably the best burger I've ever had. Granted, it's ours, but I'm still a burger fan at heart. And I said my, I don't really blog anymore, but I, I've eaten enough of the world's burgers to know that the Bleaker Black is. What makes it so good? What makes it so good? 
Well, it's a, Nathan's meat's incredible, but then so my family's Irish and there's um, a black pudding called Clonakilty, oh. which is, is like mm. a, so it's different to normal black pudding. So it's, it's beef. There's no pork in it. And Didn't the Bleak of Black one, now you're saying this, it won like the, uh, like the British Burger Award or something, didn't it? Or something like that? Uh, the world, yeah. One tastiest burger in the world, um, like I think four oh years ago. And that um, it was from Foodie Hub, which doesn't have that big a name, but they they had like 50, I think, um, like top bloggers in these cities and they brought them all around to their shortlist of burgers. And yeah, we won that, uh, I think it's four years ago now. But yeah, that's not on the menu and it hasn't been for a year until we can cook it how we want. That's how like committed we are to it. Awesome. But yeah, it, it'd be easy to cave, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I mean, you've got people like Gizzy saying that you've got the best burger in town, and people like Neil Rankin doing pop-ins, uh, pop-ups, and and specials in your in your place, and and it's it's stuff like that that surely that that just proves to people people like that sort of it's almost endorsing the brand or endorsing the burger. Like people know that it's a, it's a good burger, and and just. I don't know, like, for me, this is sort of like the Kamado Joe series. You mentioned it earlier, and it's sort of like, uh, like yeah, like Kamado Joe, like the the work they do makes you believe in their product, but also like hearing you talk about your your process and the sort of passion for the burger makes you sort of want to eat there. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah, you want to get it. Yeah, I, I hope so. so. So we're still independent, but I, so just a small bit back. So I was an accountant. Uh, then I started a burger blog. Then I met, then I had my first bleaker. Then I met Zan and I was just like, oh, so then I quit my accountancy, joined up with bleaker. And like, we're, we're really small. Like we know the, the customers that we've had from truck to that still follow us now. Like we know them by name. Zan has this unbelievable ability of being able to remember every single person's name and like what their burger is and like so we don't have our head office is like two or three people we don't have this huge network of people like if you email bleaker you email me at bleaker or you email zan at bleaker there's no like info at bleaker email address like we're a real we've got four sites people think we're quite big but we're not like we're just on a daily basis talking about burgers and and that's why you have to eat, eat 15 burgers a day to yeah. keep... To don't, don't, want to, don't want to employ any more people because you have to eat less burgers. <laughs> you just the burgers out. <laughs> if I was to come in, right, and I was to find you and be like, okay, can I please have a secret burger that could be cooked a little bit less than well done? And I would never <laughs> tell anybody ever again, would it be possible... It's, it's a podcast. You wink twice with your left eye if it's a yes. <laughs> twice with your right eye. We're, we're on Skype, but it's just an audio. Yeah. So 100% not. I said, people, we, you wouldn't believe, like, at least every day I get asked about the Blake of Black. At least every day. And obviously that's part of our online community that we've built and the people that have had it. And I said, we still we get people that come for the Blake of Black and then just turn away when they, they say, no, we don't have it, which is heartbreaking so yeah to answer your question no you couldn't get it i've got another question (laughs) (laughs) leading on from this question is on one of these days when you have like a christian coming in and doing a takeover if he was to serve a medium rare burger would it be your fault or his fault i guess it'd be our fault um there's no (laughs) way around (laughs) this um 
obviously, if the chef makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. But I guess it's on us. I guess it's on us. Fingers crossed for that mistake. (laughs) And that. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Yeah, we're looking for our next guest chef now, actually. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's that sorted. Right. Okay. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah. Oh, and Bleaker went out of business after that. <laughs> awesome. Right. We're going to round up now, Liam, because we, uh, we've we gone well over our time and we don't want to take up any more of your time. You've got some burgers to eat, I know, so we'll... Uh, <laughs> oh, we'll I, I, haven't, I haven't had one today, so maybe I'll squeeze oh, one. God. What, are you, what have you been thinking? <laughs> right, I'm, I'm desperate for one now and I don't have a burger to eat today, but I'm just need to get to London and get a burger from you guys because I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put my first class flight and I'm going to wear my silk pyjamas and I'm coming over. <laughs> I think you need to make awesome. a silk pyjama burger now. It's, everyone's got a, you can only eat it if you turn up in silk pyjamas. We could do that for a day, I guess. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that on my pop-up night. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be there on my own with my burger. It is silk nighty. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a nighty. I didn't realise it was pajamas. <laughs> awesome. Right. So just before before we go, Liam, could you just let everyone know where they could find you on social media and website address and all the rest of it? Um. So, quite conveniently, we're Bleaker Burger everywhere, which is B L E E C K E R Burger. So it's bleakerburger.co.uk. It's at Bleaker Burger on Instagram and same on Facebook and Twitter and. We do have a Snapchat channel, but I think I'm a bit too old to use it, so we don't really use it that much. But if anyone wants to come on board to do our Snapchat that's probably under the age of 30, let me, let me know. <laughs> you get yeah. fed with burgers. Yeah. Yeah. Approximately 15 per day, give yeah. or take, but don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you do no. get a meal, a meal a day if you work for us. So. Well, yeah, where do we sign? Oh, 15 per day. <laughs> You're lucky. Well, he's been there a while, though. He's been there a while. <laughs> Worked his way up. <laughs> awesome. So I would definitely highly recommend following you on Instagram. Um, it's the ultimate burger pictures. And thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank, thank you very, very much, guys. Speak to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. You're listening to United Q Podcast. We are brought to you by Pro-Q, Kamado Joe, Thermopen and Smokewood Shack. Pro-Q's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow and gravity fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermopen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent.